You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome, awesome edition of the Best Practice Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barron. I have one goal here. You've heard me say it many times. Keep showing up and I'll keep bringing it. It's some of the best information anywhere to help you create a better practice and a better life. And today we do exactly that with the director of operations here. Her name is Christina Byrne. And we talk about the cost of open tear time. It's one of the most important components of knowing how a healthy dental practice runs. You have to understand how to calculate all this and make really good decisions. So we shot a phenomenal podcast. I'm going to encourage you to listen to it. I know you'll enjoy it. We even have a download for you to start the journey. So check it out. I know you'll enjoy it. We'll see you guys soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. And you know how we work here. We are always looking at finding the most important information from the brilliant minds in all of dentistry to help you create a better practice and better life. And today I'm going to do exactly that with the chief person in charge here. She's like the director of operations. She's all things coaching. She's like the person who keeps me organized, keeps all of us organized, Christina Byrne. And today we're going to be talking about the cost of open chair time. This is a huge deal for you. If you are part of a dental practice, you own a dental practice, you know how costly that can be. And so this is going to be an important episode for you to listen up. And uh, I just want to bring in Chris. Chris, thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm happy that you're here too. And you're going to see, I'm just the funny bald guy. She is the one that really knows what we're talking about. But let, I always like to start here, Chris. Uh, you know, we got a lot of listeners at all different ages. I want them to know who you are before we get into this topic. So who's Christina Byrne? Sure. So I, um, I, as you mentioned, Director of Operations and Coaching at Act Dental. Um, I've been with you for eight and a half years. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, and I'm a dental hygienist. So I, I've worked in dentistry since 1987. <laughs> 86, 87. So it's been a long time and I've seen a lot of things and um, and I'm just here to give you what I know as best practices. Yeah, I love it. And so um, Chris does a, an amazing job. She's pretty humble, but she keeps a, she keeps all of our coaches aligned 
and helps them grow. And one of the big things is we have a lot of information. So we coach a lot of different dental practices. We look at a lot of data and we really have some brilliant people here and coming together on what our best practices and what are the most important things when we look at opportunity for dental practices, this is a theme that comes up consistently. So it's the cost of open chair time. Let's start with the why. Like, where do you think the why is, Chris, on open chair time? Well, I think it it's one of those things that people don't understand, really. Um, oftentimes, we'll talk to a team and they'll say, oh, I, I can't get a patient in for six months. We're totally booked. We need to hire a new hygienist. We need to do this. We need, you know, and what they fail to do is look backwards and see how much open time they had. And so the why of tracking this is really so important to the practice because if you don't look back and if you don't track the capacity in that way, you are going to make really bad business decisions. You know, you're going to hire that other hygienist and you're and it you're going to find out it's going to be so costly to have another person in there who can't see patients because you're just not filling the schedule or patients are falling off the schedule. Yeah, totally agree. I'm really opinionated on this one. Like if you're just starting a dental practice and you're just a new owner, this is probably one of the places I would start as the foundation. And here's the why behind it, because you know, I've heard many experts say this in hygiene. Let's just pick, let's just pick hygiene. If you have an eight hour day with eight patients in hygiene, typically if you have one cancellation, you've cut the profit in half. If you have a second cancellation out of eight patients, you are now working for free in that column. And if you have a third one, you are now working at a deficit. This has been said many times, but when you don't have a patient in a chair, it's not no profit, it's a negative profit. You're actually losing money in doing that. And so what we typically try to do is find other compensation techniques. And it's really like if you owned a restaurant, if you had a fine Italian restaurant and you had 12 tables, it would make sense. Let's make sure all 12 tables are full every night instead of adding another 13 tables and 20 tables. You know, let's get that down. It also, back to your point, Chris, and we're going to cover some of these things. You want to make decisions from a position of strength. You know, the thing that will happen is that you're going to feel compelled, you know, and team members, if you're listening to this too, you're going to feel compelled to fill the chair with anything because you're going to see the doctor's head spin around and green puke come out if they see an empty (laughs) chair and you make really bad decisions. So making sure that those chairs are full, number one, and then full with the right people is one of the foundations. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, to your point about working at a deficit with three openings in your schedule, that's if you're a full fee-for-service practice. If you're taking PPOs, really one opening, you're ruined for the day because you're really only getting about 60% of those chairs, of, of those dollars anyway. And one of the things we do know about practices is when they're calculating how much uh, PPO is in their practice, the majority of those patients are coming into hygiene. They might not be doing all their dental work, but they're for sure coming in for that quote unquote free cleaning twice a month, twice a year. And so, you know, that's, that's a huge loss to the, to the hygiene department and to the practice in general. Yeah. Now I warned you before we hit the go button, this could be a two hour podcast because this is (laughs) such an important issue and you're making me sweat because you guys, I'm going to pull you in this guy. If you're a dentist listening, you know how this works. Chris, what you just said is brilliant because I didn't plan on covering it. You know, the average practice that participates with PPOs writes off 42%. 
That's what the industry tells us. And the average overhead in dentistry is 71%. So take that math, multiply that, plus open chair time. Now, there are days you're working just for free. So don't worry. Keep listening to podcasts. We're going to make your life better. Because if you can make these numbers healthier, you're going to go home and go, today was a really good day. You know, so so where do we start, Chris? Why? What's What do we need to know about the cost of open chair time? Where would we even start? So at least we have to start with tracking it, right? And like I said, most offices are not tracking it. Um, they're, they're just thinking from their perspective, we can't get another patient in for seven months, eight months. I don't have an opening until October. Um, so what I like to do is have practices first be proactive and try and, you know, set it up every day. You know, I had how many days, how many hours was I available to see patients and how many hours did I actually see patients and, and not from the time I punched in, it's just, when are you available? So if you start at 8am and that's when you start seeing patients and you take an hour lunch and you're done at five, you are, you have eight hours available to see patients. So if you don't have all eight of those hours filled, you need to do that math and do that calculation on a daily basis and just figure out where am I right now moving forward. I also like to go back in time, maybe to the last month or the last two months. And so I'll often have hygienists do the, this themselves because they, they, and I say they, I'm going to say me too. Cause when I was doing hygiene clinically, I thought if I had an opening or a patient didn't show, I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I can write my notes. I can sharpen instruments. I can stock my room. Like I loved it. I thought it was great. Now that I understand the business side of it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel I'm terrible. I have to apologize to Dr. Tingzon if she's listening because I didn't realize, right? So now I know and I understand the cost of that opening in, in that room. So what I have hygienists do is calculate for the last, you know, the last two months or three months, what is your average production per hour? Um, so let's say it's $100 just to make life easier. And then go back and also count up all the open hours that you had in your schedule in the last two months. And so then if you take those hours that are open and if you multiply that by 100, that's how much that open time has cost you. And, and it's that's actually a simple calculation. We're not talking about supplies and things like that. Um, we're just talking about what we're missing in revenue. Right. So it's definitely, it, it's an eye opener. I, ha I worked with a really big practice years ago. Remember, Pat, uh, remember they had um, like multiple locations all over Illinois and we did that exercise and they had a lot of hygienists and it was it was really eye-opening for them. It was thousands and thousands of dollars. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to play devil's advocate because I'm the dentist that's listening. Chris, Chris, Chris. Okay. Wait a minute. You're going to ask me to have my hygienist start tracking this? <laughs> like, okay, for, let's cover, let's cross that bridge. Uh, you know, they already, I've already got difficulty in talking compensation and now I'm going to ask them to be tracking this like this is going to be difficult don't you think to ask them to track all these hours and all these things i'm leading you with this question because i know, I know. Um, <laughs> but let me so just speak to that is no because if i'm going to have a conversation with your hygienist and he or she says to me you know i feel like i'm working really hard i have to talk to doctor about getting a raise and and all of this i'm going to tell them you can't just go into that meeting with a feeling you have to right. go into that meeting with data and if that hygienist is incentivized to 
increase his or her compensation, then they should start tracking their numbers and making sure that their chair is filled so that they can go to the doctor and say, look, doctor, for the last three months, I have been at 95% compensation, or I'm sorry, 95% capacity. And I've been doing great with these patients. I have a great mix of services. I'm doing, I'm decreasing, um, uh, diagnosing more perio and and all of this, then that hygienist is in a position to actually earn what he or she is asking for. So so it actually is a win-win, doctor. If you are if you if you are going to plan to have those conversations with your hygienist, give them the tools so that they can come to you. And I think you'll be happy to give them an increase in their compensation if they are showing you that they're increasing the revenue to the practice. Yeah, totally. Let's let's throw another thing that you guys are all thinking about as you're listening to this. But Chris, I'm a hygienist. It's not really my responsibility to make these chairs full. Like why? That's that's not really my responsibility. True or false? False. Why? Now, I will say if there's if there is a cancellation, it's not always your fault. However, that all cancellations start at the chair today. So if I have you in my chair today, I'm going to do everything I can to to increase your predictability of coming in at your next three, four or six month interval based on my conversation with you, based on what we discover, how we talk about what's necessary, any treatment that you need, any areas of bleeding or recession or anything that we want to check the next time you come in. So I'm building value for that next visit and every visit beyond with what I do today. Yeah. So, so yes, in that sense, it is your responsibility to do that. Yeah. And let me talk to both that might be listening. So if you're a dentist listening, if you just heard what Chris said, that's the kind of hygienist that you want. Here's the bottom line. We love people that like being accountable. The favorite team members you've ever had, they like talking numbers. They like being responsible. Your least favorite people that you've ever worked with, they don't want to be responsible for anything. I just want to clock in and clock out. So you have to decide what kind of practice you want to work in. And if you're a hygienist listening, here's the important thing. There's a market for people who want to be accountable. I have so many dentists listening to this right now that would kill for you. If you like talking numbers, you like the idea of responsibility. And I'll tell you, I would be the worst hygienist ever. Chris, you'd probably fire me in five minutes, but I would feel an extra motivation to make sure I, I would tell people, no, you're going to be in this chair and you're going to come back. And here's why. And no, you can't cancel on me. So, because I want to report good numbers in that. And I think it's also important to Chris, give us an idea of what this looks like. What should it look like if I'm a hygienist? as far as capacity goes, what's, what are healthy ranges and what are unhealthy ranges? So I would say a healthy range is somewhere between 92 and 95% capacity, right? So over the course of, a, you know, a period of a week, a month, however you want to track it. Uh, we do, there are times when you need to, you know, do things in the operatory. We're not saying it has to be a hundred, but I would say 92 to 95% is industry standard for what's a healthy capacity. And that's for doctor too. Like you're not off the hook either, doctor. This isn't just about hygiene capacity. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so as you start to track these, what you're going to do is you're going to run into some interesting conversations. Now we have a tracker sheet for you. You can go right down to the notes and you can download it. So it's super simple. And so let me dispel one of the rumors that you might have. It's like, this is going to be hard. No, it's not. It's a sheet for the entire day. Can you describe the sheet and how I would coach a team member, Chris, to use it? Sure, sure. 
So each team member would have their own, and I would say that um, all each provider. So if you if you're a hygienist, you would have your own, and you would track it. If if you're an assistant, you would track it for your doctor, and assistants could take turns if they want to, you know, month by month. Um, but basically, on the sheet, it's you put your name on the top of it. Along the left-hand side are 1 through 31, which represent the days of the month. And then there's one column for hours available and one column for hours with patients. Um, and then basically you just add up those columns at the end of the month and you divide the number of hours with patients by the number of hours available. And that will give you your percentage. Yeah. And so am I correct? You you have your providers turn this in on a monthly basis. A couple things happen is number one, they start really learning about their capacity. They mm -hmm. understand the potential. You can also share best practices. So let me speak to maybe a hygienist who's just getting started and they do the math and they're at 78%, but Christina is at 94%. I can certainly share best practices or I can learn from you, or at least I can ask you, like, what are you doing that I'm not doing? Right? Right. And I would say not even turn it in. We've talked about this too. Just have them tacked up in the break room for each, each person. You know, I, there's nothing wrong with sharing numbers. I, I think one of the things that we often do is we internalize those numbers and we make it think, we think that it's because we're bad, but the number is just reflecting how strong your systems are. So if your capacity is low, let's take a look at some of our systems. Let's look at our handoff system. Let's look at our, our preclinical conversation system. Let's look at the ways, you know, what do we do when we're handing off a patient? Do we just kind of say, oh yeah, the patient had uh, bite wings and a prophy today? Or are we going in and saying, Mrs. Jones was talking to me about this tooth that she has on the upper right doctor. And so I took a PA and I took an enteral photo and I showed her this fracture. So I told her that sometimes when you see something like that, you might recommend a crown. You know, now I'm building trust with the patient and I'm, I'm actually building a lot of respect with my doctor because I am partnering in that patient's care. And the patient is, is like, wow, this is really different. They're gonna be incentivized to come back because they want to know they want to make sure that that tooth is is good. Everything's okay with them. Um, there's there's two very different ways to to have that handoff and build that value for the next visit. Yeah, that's so well said, Chris. Too, and I'll just share with you guys. I'm going to be vulnerable. Like 25 years of owning this business, my fear was always like putting up numbers. Like I don't want. I I thought that would create a revolt, and what it did was the opposite. It is actually really healthy when people put up numbers that are important to the practice. Number one, the transparency. You know, if I'm a hygienist, I'm going to be very aware of the fact that I'm one of the lower ones here. And so I'm not going to look at my numbers and go, wow, 76% again, killing it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the eyes are going to be on me, but it, it lends itself to a healthier culture. Don't you think, Chris? It yeah. It's really, it's one of those things that you never count on, but the competition is actually very healthy for your business, right? I totally agree. I totally agree. I think that oftentimes people think you, you can either have one or the other. You could have a healthy culture or you could track numbers, but you can't do that. You can't have both. When when we don't track anything, when everything is is unknown, people are, that's not healthy. People are worried. They don't know what's the success, what is the health of the practice? Are we going to have a job next week? You know, when you're tracking numbers and you're showing that 
you know, you're not, you're not um, condemning somebody or you're not picking on somebody because they don't have the number. You're saying, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how I can help you to improve. Um, you know, what could we do differently? How can I support you? Is there any training that I can help you with that can help you to improve this number? So instead of it just being, you know, looking at it as a negative, it's such an opportunity for growth. And I think if you're going to provide that kind of an environment, that is, that's a super healthy con. Uh, con culture where everybody can talk about those things and improve. Yeah. Boom. That's the nugget of this whole episode. So Chris, I wasn't even thinking about that in <laughs> this particular episode, but that's where you truly transition from being a boss to a coach. You know, you yes. can truly, if you've ever dreamed of a day where you're like, I don't want to be telling and pushing my employees. I want them to know, like, this is where you can say, Hey, listen, this, you know, this is where we start, but you know what? I'm your coach. I'm going to help you and I'll do whatever it takes so that these numbers get where we need to be. I'll entertain conversations with anybody in mm -hmm. that change of a mindset. That's the brilliant piece of it. Let right. that do the talking. Now I know we're going to get to calculating days of hygiene, but I really want to go back to this and you, you alluded to it at the beginning, but you can diagnose what's going on. Right. That's really the super why of this is it's there's so many problems. And when you analyze capacity, you can start to diagnose the root of these. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So, for example, if I am scheduling people, if, if you know, I look six months out and my schedule's full, but I my capacity is only at 75%, what's happening? What, am I not building that value for that next visit? Or, you know, it doesn't even have to be something from our perspective as a clinician. What does our, our confirmation or our reminder system look like? Are we, are we, are we reaching out to patients? Are we providing them with the value of, you know, coming in and, and making sure that what, what they're doing is, is, valuable to them too. So we have to look at it from their perspective. Most people are in or have that what's in it for me. So we have to find out what that is for our patients so that they feel again, incentivized to come in for that next visit. Yeah. I love it. It's so it, it, it's a, it's a whole team effort too. It's not just, you know, I'm not saying it's just the hygienist risk hygienist's responsibility, it's everybody's responsibility. You know, if I spend time in the chair side and I'm talking to the patient about, about bleeding or perio or whatever the case may be, and the doctor comes in and he or she is just like, oh no, this is fine. She's, she's good. She doesn't, that, we don't have this. The, I mean, that that's not helpful, right? So everybody has to be on the same page as far as where we're going and, and what our philosophy is. I mean, this is such a deeper conversation. <laughs> There's so many things that this can diagnose. Um, so I, I just, I, you know, it, it really is the root of a lot of different things that we can look at and a lot of different systems that we can try to put into place to improve it and make it better. I totally agree. And so there's two parts of homework we're going to give you. So the first thing is download the tracker and really mm -hmm. don't do anything then start tracking. Don't try to fix it. Have mm -hmm. your, your providers do exactly what Christina recommended and just take a look at the data. The data is going to tell you a lot. That's probably the first place to start. And remember, it's going to remove a lot of the subjectivity because everybody's working hard. Everybody thinks they're working hard and I get it. They are. But let's start using numbers to diagnose where we go next. And then the second piece of this is, Chris, we're going to take this information and then we're going to start applying it to some type of framework on how many days of hygiene we should have. So mm -hmm. what do you recommend? I mean, let's just for, for the person who's not part of the ACT community, they're going to download this. Just track this for two or three months, probably. And then right. 
we're going to do homework part two, which is determine how many days of hygiene. Can you explain yeah. that? Yeah, I would say I would say no less than two months of capacity, and you can, and three is probably good. I think a three month trend is always a good way to make decisions. Um, so one of the formulas that we received from a friend of ours. Um, and it's basically it's based on the average number of of weeks that a doctor may have the practice open. So it's not exact. It's not specific to your particular practice. But if you think about a practice practice being open for forty eight weeks out of the year, so that's taking four weeks off a year, um, we would say that in the course of patient base for a hygienist, we're going to see them twice in the course of those 48 weeks. So then you would say, we're going to use the the average of 24 weeks for every six month patient, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so wait, wait, that's a really good one. So if you're listening, <laughs> okay, so you have to figure out how many weeks, because this is really important what you just said is, so if you're open 48 weeks, you're basically going to divide the year in half. So exactly. now you know there are some patients on a three month recare and some on a on a five and but we'll we're just going to do averages here to give you an idea, idea or a sense of what you need. Perfect. And then what do I do next? What do you what do you so, think? So then you would take the av- or the number of active patients that you currently have. So if you're a single doc or a partnership or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just take your active number number of patients. So we'll say 2500. Okay. So if you have 2500 active patients, you're going to divide that by 24 weeks. And so that tells me that we need 104 hours each week to see those hygiene patients. Yes. So then you're going to go even a little further and say, okay, so I work basically eight hour days. So we're going to take the 104 hours a week and divide it by an eight hour day. Okay. And then that comes up to 13. So then that tells me that every single week I need 13 days of hygiene. Yeah, this is really important because you need to know this number, doctor. You need to know, you're yes. guessing if you haven't done the math. And to Chris's point, I just want to hit this. This is not exact, but it's going to be really darn close to the number of days. Now, why is it important for me to know that I need 13 days of hygiene per week, Chris? Can you go a little bit well, further on that Many different reasons. You have to know, do you even have, do you have enough hygienists? Do you not have enough hygienists? Do you have too many? Um, this might be a good opportunity. If you need 13 days of hygiene, but you're only using nine, then that means you have so many patients who, who just cannot get into the schedule, right? And if you still have a capacity issue, then, you know, th- then the, it's like chaos, right? So right. then you need systems to make sure that the, pe- the patients are actually showing up for the appointments. And once you do that, then you can either add hygiene days or you could start to consider if you are a PPO practice, this might be a good time for you to start thinking about dropping some of those PPO plans. Because rather than hire a new hygienist and go through all of that, maybe you can still satisfy everything that you need in the practice by eliminating some of those PPO plans and getting your full fee for some of those patients. 100%. I'm saying this lovingly if you're listening because I'm talking to you because most dentists don't do the math to figure out they need 13 days of hygiene. They think I just need three more ops. That's what you're thinking because you went to a seminar and you heard this whole, well, you think capacity is 
growing the ability to see more. That's not really what capacity is. Correct. When you're adding ops, that is not adding capacity. That is just adding ops. When you're adding hours, that is not adding capacity. <laughs> that is just adding hours. So let's call right. it what it is. And right. so when you expand without knowing this number, let's just take a hypothetical situation. Let's say your hygiene, your entire hygiene department averages 75% capacity, which is poor. Now you're just making a larger poor practice to see how that works. So we want yeah. you to be smart about how you expand. And let me speak to the truth of an operatory. When you expand it, I've already said this, you're not going to let those chairs be empty. So you <laughs> might not even know what you're doing. Most, Chris, would you agree? Like most of the dentists we get to see in a coach, they're actually... Very few of them have too few patients. Most all of them have way too many patients. So we'll get a dentist who's a single doc with two or three hygienists and he'll have 2,300 patients, which is, mm -hmm. and I'm like, don't you, do you want to be everyone's dentist? And they're like, no. And I'm like, and they'll stay, say, get them in, get them in. Like, this is really right. important math right. to figure out before you make your next move, right? For sure. And we had a doc with that same scenario and it was two hygienists, four days a week. So he had eight days of hygiene every week. Um, he was at about 23, 2400 active patients, um, no room to expand, which I don't think he wanted to. So he did make the decision to drop Delta and it's just been amazing. Um, he didn't lose a lot of patients. On average, uh, the statistic I heard is to expect a 30% uh, attrition when you drop a, an insurance. But I, I, my experience with the clients who we coach, uh, because we start way earlier than when you send that letter to Delta with verbal skills and scheduling and, and awareness, um, I, I would say that our number is much lower, probably 20 or lower percent yeah. of attrition. Absolutely. Um, there's a second part to the um, to that formula, Kirk. So when you get that what you need, so you need 13 days of hygiene to support 2,500 patients. The next step is to take the number of hygiene days you actually have, and then so let's say that particular doctor only has six days of hygiene. So multiply that by eight hours, which gives you 48 hours a week of hygiene that you can see. So 48 hours of hygiene times 24 weeks. That means that you have 1,152 patients that can be seen in six months, every six months. So you said earlier we had 2,500 active patients. So now there's a huge amount of patients that you can't even see with only six days of hygiene. Okay, now you're really stressing me out because <laughs> you can see the disparity in those gaps. There's a yeah. huge disparity. So now you have to make decisions as a dentist. Right. right. And what, what, what would you ask me to, what well, questions would you ask me? Yeah. So the first thing I would do with this scenario is don't run out and hire a hygienist. Let's right. let's look at who those patients are. Let's track capacity. Let's start to entertain the idea of of potentially dropping insurance if that's if that's where you are and if that's what you want. You know, we don't we're not saying everybody has to do that. Um, but let's be really, really mindful about how we proceed. You know, it could be that maybe, you know, maybe a simple simply the practice management software is not set up for active patient accuracy. So maybe we need to go in and do that. So so I think the knee-jerk reaction is always like, I got to hire a hygienist. I got to add a new room. But, but we have to look at the data and we have to do some homework before we make those decisions. And you said it early, like just having that being in a position of strength, and I would even argue being in a position of knowledge is the better place to make business decisions. Yeah, 100%. And so, 
you know, we don't have to talk about the difficulty in finding hygienists are not beating down your door right now. Mm -mm. You know, and when you find a good one, you got to find a way to keep them and keep them healthy. And then the other piece of data that really isn't data here, Chris, is emotional intelligence, because I know myself well enough, like people are, if I was a dentist, I'd probably only have four ops and that's, and that's about all emotionally I can handle. Some dentists think bigger is better, but you know, you, and here, and let me be clear. We're not against big practices. You just have to know you who are. If you're the person that wants 13 ops, 16 ops, go for it. But there are a lot of dentists that are like, I do not want 16 ops and 26 P. I don't want that. So you got to play that into right. the formula, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. And that and that's the beauty of, of what we do is, you know, we help our doctors to build the practice that they want. You know, we're not coming in and saying, this is what you have to have and this is what you have to do. It's based on what they want. And so we go through a pretty pretty intense onboarding to for the doctor to understand what they want so that they can really make those great decisions. Because like you said, you a lot of people go to a seminar and they hear bigger is better. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, I got to have it. And really that's not what they want. Yeah, absolutely. And so I know we're throwing a lot at you in a 30 minute podcast, but maybe Chris, a good thing to do in this one was let's just, let's go back and recap, you know, let's give them a simple treatment plan. So if you've listened this far, we're going to recap a treatment plan. And again, we've got a tracker down below, download it. If you have help, don't struggle, call it. We're here to help you. Like we want these tools to really improve your practice, but let's recap our treatment plan. Sure. So first thing to do is just download the tracker and start using it. Um, now, I'll, I'll say start using it after you talk to your team about why it's important and why, it, why it's valuable to track this stuff. And it's not as a punishment to anybody. It's just as a way to understand where we are today so we know what we need to do to improve. Um, you know, one of the things too, another good why about making sure capacity is where it needs to be. And I hear this often, oh, but Mary is so great at filling the schedule when the patients cancel or, or no show. Well, that's great, but Mary has a lot of other responsibilities. And if she's spending her whole day trying to fill the schedule that fell apart every day, that is exhausting. And so now we're now we're bringing another person into the fold of this. So so there's so many reasons why it's important. So I would sit down with your team, explain the why um, and and just say, this is what we're going to start with. We're just going to track. We're going to do it for about 60 days, maybe 90 days. And then we're going to come back together and talk about some of the trends that we see and some of the things, some of the reasons why we think that our our capacity is where it is and what can we do to improve it yeah. and and again it might be let's talk about our verbal skills let's understand what our handoff looks like are we providing the patient with enough value that that next appointment is really important for them to come back to um, are, you know are we are we do we have a good uh, patient communication system I mean there's so many things that we can look at and and again very few of those are directed at one person in particular to say, you are not doing a good job. And and I want to caution people from doing that because again, we're a team and we all have to work together. And perhaps that person has not had the support or the tools to help the patient to understand what the value is. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then you know, we'll go to the next piece, which is calculating the number of days of hygiene. Yeah. And, and uh, But one thing I want to go back to, because this question might come up, um, Chris, so you're telling me I have to track, I'm a dentist. I have to track my own capacity. Like, do I fill out my own sheets? I'm, and again, I'm leading you with this question because I know the answer, but like, how do I track my own capacity? So I would have the dental assistant who works with you that day or that week or however it is that you set up your, your schedule, 
track the hours for the doctor. Uh, it's, it's actually a really good KPI. We hear that often. What kind of KPIs can I have my dental assistant be responsible for? Um, and that's a great one. So your dental assistant is there to help you to, to provide same-day dentistry if he or she knows that there's an opening in the schedule to talk about the dentistry. Um, the dental assistant is also really valuable in making sure that every single person who's in that chair has their next hygiene schedule, hy hygiene appointment scheduled. So there's a lot of ways that the assistant can help with tracking some KPIs and building value for those next visits. Yeah. And then lastly is just to do the math that Chris gave you for how to calculate number of days of hygiene. And then you're going to have more questions than you will answers. But I will tell you just by doing these calculations that she mentioned, you're going to see more, you know, a more clear picture of maybe where you want to go. And I'll just, uh, you know, I'll kind of wrap this up by saying data removes all emotion. Like, it, you know, if you're fatigued, that's a lack of focus. That's a lack of data. That's a lack of understanding because this is an amazing profession. If you have the right data, the right thinking and the right systems, you shouldn't be completely exhausted, you know, second guessing yourself. And the data, the data just aligns everybody faster. It gets us talking the same language. It also helps us work together. So any last thoughts you have on this, Chris? Because I, I love this subject so much and you're you're the brilliant piece behind all this. But what, what last <laughs> thoughts would you have on open chair time? I, I would just say, you know, just again, the, to get your data in a line first and and just see where you are, because if you if you're if you don't know where you are, you don't know where to go from there. Um, and and also just to make sure that it's a team effort and it's collaborative and and nobody's out to get anybody. That we're all here to help each other, and it, you know we're trying to make everybody's job easier. Yeah, awesome. And that's really our job at this podcast too. So if you're listening, please know this. We're here to help you in every step of the way. So don't just consistently struggle. That's a tough place to be. Download the sheet, have your team start doing it. If you struggle, raise your hand. We're here to help. You can reach out to us uh, and we'll help you every step of the way. Chris, thanks for being on. I I appreciate you. It's so funny. I'll just share this. Like I just got back from a vacation where I went, you know, and had a great time and I come back and I'm like, eh, everybody needs a Chris. Like there's no fires going on. It's awesome. So Chris, you are the best. Thanks for being on. Uh, my pleasure. All right. So uh, thank you guys for listening to Best Practices Show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did, just do us a favor, hit the share button and share this with your friends. Keep giving us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. We're going to keep lining, lining them up so that you feel better when you're driving the car to work, you know, cleaning the garage, cleaning the basement, whatever. Uh, I want you to think better about when you go back to your practice because you truly can have a better practice and a better life. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys have a great day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.